Good afternoon to all of our listeners out there. This is Lucy with the Crusader Foundation. Today I'm here with Tanya Daly with Save the Children. And we're here to discuss the Save the Children March happening in Omaha this weekend and apparently all over the nation. Tanya, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, thank you for having me. Uh, my name's Tanya Daly. I am a provisionally licensed uh, mental health practitioner and drug and alcohol counselor. Um, I don't know what you want to know about me. Um, well, let's start with the the Save the Children March. How did you get involved with this march? Now, for our listeners out there, there's a Save the Children March happening in Omaha uh, that Tanya has coordinated. It's Saturday at 11 a.m., is that right? Yes, 11 at, to 4. At, at 11 to 4 at the Elmwood Park Pavilion in Omaha on Saturday, August 22nd. So how did that march come about? Well, I was watching a live stream uh, from TJ Johnson, who is an artist in California, and him and Scotty the Kid, who is also an artist, uh, posted a live and they said um, that there are too many children becoming disappeared after the whole Wayfair thing came about on the news and Facebook. Um, so they wanted to make it known out into their state that they were going to fight for these children if it was in fact happening and outside of it, if it was, it does happen every day. Um, so he asked for people to start a march in their state. There was no specific dates. There was no specific times. He just said, start it. He got momentum and momentum. And I remember his, he said his phone was dying. And I, I said, what's your cash app or your PayPal? I will donate you money so you can go get a battery, you know, a battery pod for your phone. Cause there was a Walgreens. I specifically remember there was a Walgreens right across from him and I sent him money and he went live and he kept going live every day. And he's like, no, seriously, you guys need to start one. And so he said, put your state or your city in the comment section. Everybody go find your state and make a movement for these children that are being taken and trafficked and kidnapped um, or abducted. And so Christine and I and Rihanna posted we're in Omaha and we're like, okay, well, let's just do this. We met at Rihanna's um, office and we laid down some kind of like blueprints of like what we our agendas were basically and what we wanted to do and why we were doing it. And we told our stories and how it has affected us personally or around us, people we know. And we just took took off from there. We Christine made a, a Facebook group uh, for Save the Children Omaha, and the next thing we know, we're sitting at fourteen thousand members. Fourteen thousand. It was, it was intense. Yeah. Um, um, we spoke a little bit before this podcast at this topic, um, sex trafficking, and especially uh, the sex trafficking of children is near and dear to your heart would you like to share any of that yeah um so a lot of people you know want i'll go with me personally as as a t 
teenager or as a child, I was molested as a kid uh, from second grade to sixth grade uh, by a um, somebody I would have looked up to, I guess. Uh, at 16, ran away and then ended up at a handler's house or apartment. Um, I wasn't allowed to leave. Um, I was 16, I weighed 89. 89 pounds when I managed to get out of the handcuffs and chains out of my feet and my ankles. Oh my uh, October 3rd to October 31st. And I remember when we were talking about building this march, if, if it takes one of us for us to be screaming loud for these children and imagine having your captive have their cell phone watching what's going on and you hear that and you're in that bedroom or in that closet or locked wherever you may be and you hear us screaming save the children we're here we're we're, we're marching for you that's going to give that child that little bit of fight left that they don't have because i wished somebody would have kicked in that door when i was 16. i wish somebody would have been looking for me um later on i found out that my mom was kicking indoors uh, looking for me. My mom is a survivor herself. And um, so I guess I have that fighter spirit. And trauma is uh, very near and dear to my heart. And that's what I focus on with my practice is because I've lived it. And I wanted to give back and help the survivors in hopes that I can educate, you know, advocate, embrace, and empower somebody else. Very good. Now, we have an interesting time during the COVID pandemic and uh, people are wearing masks all over. And that's one of the points that we have made at Crusader Foundation and people are making all over is that now that people are wearing masks, not only are criminals allowed to um, hide behind their masks, but they are able to hide their victims in plain sight. And you had mentioned the um, episode with Elizabeth Smart earlier when we were speaking. How do you see these masks affecting sex trafficking? We just gave them a hands up on every tactic they It's It's scary um, because like I said earlier, we used to be able to look into a car next to us and see a child and they'd say, watch out, the child has like a scar on their face or a specific birthmark or missing teeth or braces. You're hiding that. Now imagine having that child have duct tape under that mask. You're not going to know that child has duct tape or any type of mouth covering other than that face mask. Um, that concerns me. Imagine a parent walking in the store with their child and the whole six feet apart thing I get, sure. But all of a sudden your child's gone and you have to make that call to 911. So they're gonna be like, well, can you describe the person? No, I can't in a sea of masks. I don't even know what they look like. Right. That's a very big concern for me. And that's what it, that's what put the seed in my, in my heart to say, Tanya, you gotta say something. Like you have to do something. Be louder than that mask. Be louder, your voice. As a survivor myself, I feel like I'm being silenced again. Like somebody's holding their hand over my mouth again. Well, and it's a proverbial mask when you're advertising, 
these events on Facebook and the hashtag save the children is banned from Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Three days after we started hashtagging it, it, Facebook took it down. And they said something, an error happened. Because uh, one of my admits with me, uh, she had a friend that said, um, yeah, it was just an error at Facebook. No, it wasn't an error. You couldn't hashtag save the children to save your life. Literally. Right. Can you now? Yes. Yes. Because there was yes. such an uproar? Yes. So we started tagging save our children, save the children, uh, you know, um, and sex traffic. We just started hashtagging everything. It People don't own a hashtag. And you can't. And, and they didn't like it. And when I say they, the powers may be, <laughs> being politically correct, the powers that may be, um, don't like it. And we're making, we're making us, we see your, your hands and we're counteracting your hands. We're going to be, make sure everybody is aware what you're doing. And so with the Save the Children March in Omaha, again, that's 11 a.m. on Saturday at Elmwood Park Pavilion, um, but this is happening all over the nation. There's documented 150 cities, more than that. Yeah, that was about a week ago. We had 150 cities. We have states from um, Alabama all the way to Wisconsin. Uh, it's, a, it's a movement. We have some um, in the UN doing it. Germany just did one. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was something that we didn't expect. Uh, me and the admins even tossed around a couple dates because school started. We're like, wow, they're gonna parents. Are, we don't want parents to be stressed out because they're already in the stressful situation. We're going back to school. When can we do it? And something popped up August twenty second, and me and Miss Rihanna, we both were like, that's the day we have to do it. We just like no second guess and then all of a sudden i get more information that's the same day all the way across the board i was yeah. like amazing and with all of our voices saying the same thing our intention is out there you know and it's like verbal prayers great right so what do you envision for the future after the march on saturday um well, me personally, my, my my only goal was to set up this march. However, because it has been such a big, big movement, um, I know some of us have been chatting about having a chapter here uh, in Omaha or in Nebraska, um, going to legislation, sitting on legislation and, and trying to pass some laws or changing some laws. Um, I know there are certain people in our group in Omaha that are going to be there that have, um, was, I don't know, was about the Franklin project. Right. Um, so they'll be there and we have some speaking. Uh, so I think it's just a safe space. And once we get past that, maybe our next, you know, I don't know, maybe next time we'll have another March or have a, gathering uh for information to share get connected with other organizations i know this march we're going to have a after after the march um from like three to four where we got a uh like pad one two and three at elmwood where we're going to have 
tent set up where we can share information and stories for people to learn more about facts and what things look like, what you could possibly do to make your own march. I don't foresee this going away anytime soon. Right, so it's very spontaneous. There's a lot of possibilities as far as where you can go with this after Saturday. Um, specifically about sex trafficking and specifically child sex trafficking, which is the majority of sex trafficking Absolutely. out there. Ra, you have a unique perspective as from being a survivor. What do you see as the major causes of child sex trafficking? What fuels sex trafficking? What enables the this evil to keep Money. On? Money is huge when it comes to this. Um, I look at foster care systems, uh, moving home to home. Um, I look at trauma in the home or abuse in the home, children run away. Um, a lot of us have been deemed uh, just rebellious and runaways and a menace to society, but they refused to take a look inside the doors that we were at. You know? And one of the points that we like to make is that the foster care system uh, and percentages, statistics are all over the place. You cannot put accurate statistics on the criminal activity because you don't know all of the activities that are happening, but it has been posited that 80% of children in sex trafficking originate from foster care. Would you agree with that statistic? Absolutely. Absolutely. And these children are often called runaways, just like you said, runaways. And I was, yep. They're the, the children of society that nobody we wanted don't to look at. We don't right. want to look at it. We don't want to admit that it's a problem, yet it is a substantial number every year. I've been a number, another number that's been thrown out there. And again, we can't have accurate numbers um, is well, we have half a million children go missing every single year in the United States. Yep. So from the foster care system, is that where you've seen much of the- I've seen a lot of it. I've worked in, um, you know, a lot of facilities that have children, um, like residential treatment centers. And I, you know, used to try to follow up and see uh, where they were going, you know, um, as far as my, my boundaries would let me go you know um seen some of them as adults and the stories i was told you know um you take a child from an unsteady home in my head this is how it plays out you have a single mom who is domestically um abused by her spouse or, or significant other the cps gets called cps comes removes the kid gives a stranger who's no relation to these children, a thousand dollars a month per kid, take care of this child when you could have took that thousand dollars and put it back into that home with that single mom who's struggling and helped educate her, help lift her up, but you removed her and put her in a stranger's home and then all of a sudden the kids bouncing from foster care to foster care to foster care, you're funding it. No matter if you like to believe it or not, you're funding this behavior. And I was a foster mom. I adopted my son. Wow. 
was 16 years old when I got him. He's now 20. And was that his experience? Um, he was sexually assaulted in a facility. Yes, he was. And that's what made me move it faster. Very good. These are all very hard topics for uh, much of our audience um, is educated in mm -hmm. sex trafficking, but many of them are not. And some of these things are very difficult to digest. We want to put our trust in the system. Our tax dollars pay for the system to take care of things. And so when we call, let's say we have this scenario that we know that a child is being abused and we call Division of Children and Family Services and we say, this is happening, oh my God, save this child. And we trust that that child will be taken out of that horrible environment. And when they are, we can be proud of ourselves. We can think that yes, there is good in the world. We have actually done something to save the next child, yet it actually gets worse. It is yes. often the opposite. Um, and you have worked in the mental health field for a while. some time, yes. So you have counseled victims a of lot. and trafficking. That's my specialty is trauma and sexual abuse, domestic violence and sex trafficking, yes. And how long, I guess you, you can't really put a number on it, everybody is different, but the amount of strength and the amount of work it takes to recover from that kind of trauma, can you explain some of that? Yeah, um, well, I can tell you, I, I do EMDR therapy and um, that is that in trauma focused CBT are one of two of the only therapy modalities I firmly believe that actually work with trauma, sexual sexual abuse trauma specifically um, for clients and that depends on them, you know, like you, you, it is a hard process, I guess you'd say. It's extremely hard to process this stuff. So with EMDR, you're able to kind of numb out that memory, you know, and it reroutes the neural pathways in the brain. So I've seen, um, I've seen a couple clients that want to just specifically work on something, let's say a fear of bugs, and it ends up being after that comes out, they remember stuff that happened that they pushed and, you know, down as a child. Right. And so all this stuff comes up. So it's, it's a process where we decompartmentalize when we're, when we're sexually abused. And the way I can describe it is only through my words and my experience. I remember feeling like my soul left my body and I sat to the side and it was just the core that it was happening to. It was just, 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 just this thing that it was happening to. I personally was not in my body when it was happening. You do leave your body. And for that to come back up in therapy, it's hard. I don't push a client to go faster than they can, but I also know that they will stop because they're uncomfortable and we go together. You know, we, we, we just push past that, but that's only after you give them this, the coping skills and the tools to be able to like breathing techniques and grounding techniques before they do experience that we bring up that trauma. They need, I need to know that they're capable of handling it coming up, you know? Right. Can I ask um, one of the 
reasons that has been cited for uh, increase in sex trafficking and specifically child sex trafficking is that, um, well, of course, the demand. If we didn't have the demand for sex trafficking and prostitution, then, then it wouldn't be a problem. But pornography is also cited as one of the major causes or demand for yep. child sex trafficking. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, it can go as simple as, you know, um, kids sending text messages back and forth, right, in school, and they don't understand that that's child pornography. Right. And that they can get in trouble for that. And then let a parent grab that phone, and then all of a sudden the parent is now in hands of child pornography. They're not aware of that, apparently. Um, Sometimes I feel like common sense is not so common, but then it gets into the hands of um, a sick individual is mental health wise, a sick individual or, you know, so people want to pay for that because it's taboo. And then all of a sudden it ends up on the dark market on everywhere, um, videotapes, pictures, uh, you know, I remember being a kid, the big video cameras, you know, and they were selling them to people. These underground, it's taboo. It's it's wrong. You're not supposed to do it. But there are so many people that that's what they're into. And then they start selling those and then it ends up, well, I can get a child too. Their own child or their stepchild or their girlfriend's child. And then Boom, it's gone. Your child the child's missing. It it it's like like the seed, the key that starts the car of trafficking. Because you wouldn't know about it if you didn't see something like that. Right. Right. So the pornography gives people ideas. Someone mm-hmm. who's already prone to sexual deviancy will see more and more uh, perversions. And more extreme perversions happen, and uh, it changes the brain. Yes. And then they become tempted to enact those activities. And actually, like we've mentioned before, Elizabeth Smart had mentioned that pornography played a role in her abduction and her abuse. Yes. Um, for our listeners out there, Elizabeth Smart was the young lady that was kidnapped and she was gone for months um, and found later she was wearing a mask um, when they found her and that's how she was hidden at campsites and houses. Um, but she had said later after working through some recovery that uh, her abductor would show her things in pornography and say, we're going to do this next. This is yep. what I want to do. do you, have you seen that with a lot of your clients? Um, yes. Um, I've also learned a lot of clients fall into um, liking BDSM because it is a um, power and control, um, which they feel is normal. You know, you got that sadomasochism and they, they do feel that's normal because they've had experienced such traumatic sexual abuse that that sometimes is the only way that they can, you know, achieve any type of 
connection. Right. And I I understand that, you know. It becomes normalized. Abuse becomes normalized. And that's one of the difficulties uh, being a survivor of abuse uh, to understand that this is the baseline. Yep. BDSM or being beaten, that's the baseline. You expect that out of life. Absolutely. When you come out of the abuse, you don't understand how that's not normal because that has been normal. This is coming across the board. So this is happening to um, untold numbers of victims. It's not just women. It's not just small girls. It's boys as well. Uh, And pretty much any fetish out there has some kind of a sex buyer association. Voyeurism, all of that. Well, and pornography is a type of voyeurism. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so are there any other topics that we've missed today? We've hit a bunch of ground. I'm, I'm not sure if we're missing anything. I guess I just want to make sure people are aware that this isn't a political thing on my, our, our admits general, uh, on our mind at all. Absolutely not. Um, in this society right now, currently in 2020, there's so much division amongst every nationality, religion, and creed. And our goal was to bring people together to fight for the children because those are our future. And if somebody's not protecting them, somebody needs to step up and do it. And with everybody being everywhere else, we needed to bring a focus on these babies because this has always been something important to me. And why not? Because imagine if it was your child, you'd want somebody to say something. If it was you, you'd want somebody to be looking for you. Right. And this is why Crusader Foundation, along with many, many counter sex trafficking organizations are victim centered organizations, meaning that um, it is very difficult to get justice out of any of these situations, whether it be domestic abuse, sex trafficking, on and on. When a victim is rescued from their situation, often there's no evidence or not sufficient evidence for a search warrant on and on even an arrest let alone any kind of conviction so the goal is to save the children save the so that's the word yes first yep and so this is the general movement this saturday and let me ask you real quick before we um end today you had said earlier we have approximately or even more than 150 cities that are having the save the children march this saturday right same day yep is there any way that we can advertise how, how do people go about finding the save the children marches in their town we have a lot of flyers um so i provided you with a google doc that has all the states um, that are doing it. Um, there's a lot of flyers uh, going around. I could also send those to you. Um, there's also a lot of event pages. So if you like look through Facebook on the events, you and maybe search Save the Children, all you right. might come across a whole bunch. And, and so we're doing a lot of flyers and stuff. Yeah. 
if if somebody types in hashtag save the children, will that bring them to information on the march? It should. If if Facebook hasn't blocked us, <laughs> it should. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. So perhaps we can find save a way the to- children, save our children, and sex trafficking. We're hashtagging them all. So you you you'll eventually find find them. Or right. follow so, T.J. Johnson on Facebook. I'm sorry. Follow T.J. Johnson on Facebook or Scotty the Kid. Johnson. Yep. And who is that? Um, he is the artist that is in uh, uh, California. He's also another podcaster, and he's all about doing this. And they were the ones that started this movement a couple weeks back, and so we're just following our call. Just on fire. That is fantastic. Tanya, thank you for all of your work in this movement. And we hope to work with you extensively in the future, however, however we can. I would love that. Um, One last time, this is Tanya Daly. We've been talking to Tanya Daly, who's organized the Save the Children, or one of the organizers. There's three of us, yes. Um, She has contributed to organizing the Save the Children March happening in Omaha this Saturday at 11 a.m. at Elmwood Park Pavilion. If you can make it, please be there. Nebraska has been a hotbed of sex trafficking historically, but also if you can't, find the nearest Save the Children March and go to that. Please attend, get out there, and let's get active for these children because they have no voice and um, the the forces that be are dominating and we need to fight back. So thank you, Tanya, for your time today. This is the Crusader Foundation. We are happy to have our listeners with us and we will see you on the next podcast thank you thank you bye bye